Welcome into NSN Daily here on a Tuesday. Uh, no coronavirus here at mm -hmm. the desk not yet. Not yet, at least, yeah. We're hoping not yet. Not Alex Margulies, Chris Mary, <laughs> Brian Samudio. Uh, Alex, fresh back from the uh, Mountain West Tournament yep. down in Las Vegas. We're going to kick around some of those uh, experiences down there. We'll talk about Nisre Zuzwa. We're kind of going through the doldrums here because it's one of those weird years that uh, this tournament has been played. You're used to well, Nevada be playing in the postseason. NCAA tournament, something this week, but because of the way that there would be what was it, a construction. Yeah, which is interesting because the Pac-12, the WCC, and the WAC didn't move their tournaments mm -hmm. at all, and they're down in Vegas. But, yeah, there's a huge construction expo that I believe started today, which kind of, you know, made hotels difficult, yeah. raised prices. So they decided to move everything forward, and Utah State and San Diego State will get 11 days off before they play an NCAA tournament game. We'll see how that impacts them, but I just thought it was odd that none of the other conferences in the mountain, you know, in yeah. the, that did Vegas. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, this same conference has been there before. Yeah. Like I, I know this has been an issue in the it's past. Every, it's every multiple years. And they don't it's use the Thomas Mac. I mean, that's well, yeah, and it never has been really an issue for this tournament to get moved. Hmm. It is weird. It's and they weird thought about moving it to San Diego, but the uh, board didn't want to do that because that's where the Aztecs are based. Thought about moving it to Phoenix, thought about moving it to Sacramento. Ended up keeping it in Vegas, so it's just an extra week for everybody yeah. to wait for Nevada. Uh, they just got to learn, uh, you know, their fate. I think they're going to be playing in some postseason, mm -hmm. but uh, and they probably would get a bid to the CBI if they wanted to accept it now. Mm -hmm. But they probably want to wait until the NIT field is announced, which doesn't happen until the NCAA tournament field is announced. So. Uh, they're going to be waiting until at least Sunday night. Okay. Caleb and Cody Martin continue to find their niche in the NBA with the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Caleb off a, a career night last night. We're going to kick through that. Dylan Shrum, uh, it's going to be Shannon Kelly's feature from Wolfpack All Access over the weekend. want to show that to you once again. And coronavirus is now really kind of affecting sports in a huge well, way. Well, it's affecting Chris's life now. Yes. I know. Yes. Directly. Pearl Jam got canceled. I saw that last night. And I, <laughs> I, I, I really you felt for you. Today, man. I'm really, Chris uh, has been a little here. down today, I think. Yeah, just a little. Well, there's been a lot of stuff going on. My laptop's not working, but I'll leave all that aside. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was kind of disappointing news, but it is, it's affecting everybody. It's yeah. starting to affect high school sports in town. I am scheduled to go to the second uh, home game that the Giants have this season against the Dodgers. Will that be canceled? I don't think they're going to start canceling MLB games because it's hard to make those up. Will the NCAA tournament be affected? Yeah. You're talking about a gigantic amount of revenue a billion dollars to play this tournament uh will some games there be affected i know the ivy league is not playing their conference tournament yep. so uh yeah it's kind of it's hitting everybody everybody has to make some tough decisions and, and pearl jam said they're not gonna they're gonna delay things they're not completely canceling it so hopefully there's a show at some point bummer we're sorry now. <laughs> we're sorry we're very very sorry also Happy birthday today to an American icon. We're going to do that in our final thoughts. But uh, we've been going through talking about some of the seniors. Just we touched on Jazz Johnson yesterday. This Zuzwa, another great journey by this young man, Alex. We've see, seen him just absolutely blossom mm -hmm. after what was a difficult, you know, first year of eligibility under uh, a former coaching staff. Well, there's no question he's the comeback player of the year. I mean, the way that he was able to turn his career around at Nevada uh, last year was was really. It was kind of a disaster for him. I mean, he just could not get any sort of comfortability on the floor. Um, his percentages were less than 20 uh, when it comes to shooting. And then this year, um, whether it was just the different role, the coaching staff, him feeling better, whatever the, the combination of things was, uh, he was such an impactful player for Nevada. And when he was on this year, it was tough uh, to beat the Wolfpack, adding that extra element of a guard that could come off the bench and hit threes. Uh, a really impressive year for Nisrei Zuzwa, and I'm sure it, it had to have felt good for him personally to know, all right, he transfers from Bryant, he goes up to much higher competition, uh, really struggles in that first year, but sticks with it and comes out of it in his senior year 
as the Mountain West sixth man of the year. Yeah, and I think the thing that's impressive uh, to me is is the mental toughness to be able to go through last year, and um, probably some vindication. I think you yeah. know probably shows Eric Musselman. You know, maybe I should have played this guy 20, 25 yeah. minutes last year, and not played the Martin Twins 37, 38 minutes, not extended everybody uh, mm -hmm. in the starting lineup as much as he did, because this guy, uh, you know, shot 40 uh, percent from three, uh, averaged 10 uh, points per game off the bench. Nevada could have used that last year to really deepen it. And if he could have done this this year, then he could have done it last year. So I think he got a raw deal last year. Really nice to see him kind of end his career on a, on a positive note and, and show what he can do. And it'll be a big question, who's going to replace him? I yeah. know, uh, you know, Lindsey Drew and Jazz Johnson are kind of the marquee players Nevada has to place next season. But it's really hard to get double digits off your bench. Not a lot of guys can do that in about 22, 23 minutes. Uh, who will Nevada have as a reserve next year to kind of give the Wolfpack a lift off the bench? And outside of maybe a little drought at the beginning of conference, play I mean he was really consistent yeah. as well which you usually don't see when some guy's minute is in you know the 20 to 25 minute range sometimes it's hard to go out there and be productive when you're given you know maybe half of a game on the year Nisere shot 41.6 percent from beyond the arc 41.8 mm -hmm. percent from the floor so uh, consistency huge very jump. much very much huge jump there for him Alex had a chance to catch up with the outgoing senior to talk about his journey and landing here at Nevada um it's been an unbelievable journey uh ups and downs that's just how life is but I appreciate every moment of it and being able to just even play basketball on scholarships a blessing in itself so you know we unfortunately didn't go out how we wanted to go out but um, throughout my whole career you know even where I'm coming from just to be able to like I said play basketball on scholarship is a blessing from God so um, overall I, me personally I would say you know these four or five years have been a success for me personally you know just seeing where I come from and what basketball has brought me to and the places I've been able to go is it's amazing so you talk about you know kind of vindication redemption you know all these all these words that are just you know representative of somebody who's fought through something to get to another level I wonder if if Nisre had decided last year to maybe hang it up if he would have been done with basketball period but he comes back this year has a solid senior season and it's not done yet he's going to be able to play professionally overseas somewhere he may be able to get that get that G League nod or something like that. He's going to get paid to play basketball somewhere, and I'm glad he had this final chance to get one more shot at it and kind of that mm -hmm. redemption. That's a good word. Well, I think when you can shoot the way that he does, or you said over 40%, and Coach Alford really uh, lauded his defensive effort this year as a guy that could come off the bench and really defend at a high level. So the combination of those two things will certainly give him a chance to continue to play basketball. So CBI is kind of what we're expecting. That was what we predicted yesterday. What are your thoughts? Do you think the NIT is out of the picture? I think, I think if Nevada would have beaten Wyoming and then gone and maybe even beaten the Utah State, I think they would. They, they, you have to get into the NIT at that mm -hmm. point. It's 21 wins. Uh, Utah State's got a great resume. That would have been a big kind of signature win that Nevada really is kind of lacking. They, they mm -hmm. don't, really, don't really have, you look at their schedule this year, there aren't very many impressive wins, even in their non-conference. You know, they didn't go and beat BYU. They didn't go and beat St. Mary's. Those opportunities to beat... Uh, teams outside their conference and, and make their resume look stronger just didn't happen this year. Uh, as much as I think it would be exciting to see Nevada in the NIT, I think that they would be a worthy team in the NIT. I think they could make some noise there. Uh, it, I mean, the signs are pointing that that's not going to happen. Me personally, too, the CBI just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm not excited about that. I'll be completely frank. I mean, it, it's kind of hard. You know, four years ago, you go to the CBI and it's a totally different scenario. You have a new coaching staff. You have a team that's, that's trying to build, coming off of a really bad season the last year under David Carter, a nine-win season. Then all of a sudden, you know, you, you finish kind of in the middle of the Mountain West and, and you're, you're kind of building something, a lot of young players. 
uh, with, with Cam Oliver and, and Lindsey Drew, and this was a great opportunity to, you know, go and, and play in a postseason and win something and get some momentum. So the CBI four years ago made so much sense, but coming off of three straight NCAA tournaments, it's hard to kind of wrap my mind around going back to a tournament like that. On the flip side, Steve Alford doesn't care, I'm sure, what <laughs> happened four years ago. He doesn't care about three straight NCAA tournament titles. He's thinking, okay, this is an opportunity to keep playing with my guys, keep competing, and, and continue to establish his culture and his way of winning and go to a tournament again with these guys, with Zane Meeks, with Kane Milling, with K.J. Himes, with Robbie Robinson. There's a lot of players that still can use the opportunity to develop. So while I'm not very excited about the CBI, I can understand why Nevada would accept and want to go to the CBI uh, if that's how it all kind of shakes out. So if you were the athletic director, you're in Doug Newt's shoes, you would accept. You would bid and accept a CBI bid. Yeah, I mean, I'm not excited about it, but mm -hmm. I think you do it. I think mm -hmm. you, you, you talk to your head coach. Mm -hmm. If your head coach wants to do it, you do it. If the players want to do it. Too. If the players yeah. want to do it and the head coach wants to do it, I think you, you trust your head coach and you allow him to do that, whether that's at home or on the road. You know, we're not really sure how that's going to shake out. You know, is the community going to support uh, going to games and make that financially feasible? Uh, to host the CBI like they did four years ago. Nevada actually made some decent money mm -hmm. uh, last time around. I'm not so sure that they can do that because of just the nature of the situation. Do you think that they could justify hosting it and get enough people to show up? Yeah, I mean, I think the break even marks around 3,000 fans. So I think they could hit that. And if you yeah. go back and you look at the four years ago tournament, that first round was not highly attended. You're talking about about 4,000, and by the end they were getting about 9,000. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're able to make a run, you're probably going to make some money out of it. But if you go one and done like they did their first two times in the CBI, there is a chance they could lose some money. You do go back and you look at uh, the two years they went to the CBI under Mark Fox. They did not. That was not a good, well-attended games. Uh, and that was because they were coming off NCAA tournament. And I think the standard was a little mm -hmm. bit higher. I think you are summing up exactly how the average fan feels. They're like, do we really want to play in the CBI again? Mm -hmm. I mean, after the NCAA tournament, I think mm -hmm. the NIT just has this different allure to it. It's actually older than mm -hmm. the NCAA tournament. If you go and you win three There's games, yeah, you get to go to Madison sure. Square Garden. Yeah. Uh, you know, you are playing typically Power 5 schools, power five schools, whereas yeah. in the CBI there was only one Power 5 school last year, and it was a West Virginia team that won only four conference games and, and finished the season five games under 500. So I think there is a massive difference between those two. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I mean, whether you're 100% excited about it or not, I think you do take that opportunity. You go out and you play. You try and give your younger guys maybe that experience of playing in a one-and-done situation. They obviously did that against Wyoming, and it didn't work out. So maybe give them a little bit more seasoning uh, in that kind of mm -hmm. crucible and that kind of pressure so when you get to the Mountain West Tournament next year, maybe they do feel like they can lean back on yeah. if they make a CBI run. Well, you know, we were in this pressure before. We were able to play well and win a championship. Um, yeah, so I, I think they will accept, and mm -hmm. I, I think that will probably be the end fate. But I, there's a glimmer of hope at the NIT. And I think that yeah. Steve Alford's name is the glimmer. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe he has enough respect, uh, and maybe they can match him up with playing a game at Indiana or yep. something where they, they look, feel. This is a team yeah. that went 12-6 and six in the Mountain West. Mm -hmm. They were tied for second with Utah State. They were tied with a team that's going to the NCAA tournament. They're, they're uh, you know, very close to being there with, with the top two teams right. in the Mountain West Conference that are both going to the NCAA tournament. So... In a lot of ways, yeah, they, they should play in the NIT. I think it's just that non-conference that I think is going to bite them uh, in the end. But I think you make a good point about with the CBI. You know, look what that did for the previous regime. Like, Nevada goes and wins the CBI. Those guys that next year talked about how much that really kind of gave them confidence going in and then the way that they were able to perform and win the Mountain West regular season, win the Mountain West tournament title, uh, and that really kind of propelled them uh, to what they are able to do. Now, the third thing we have to talk about is – 
is coronavirus going to cancel yeah. the CBI? I mean, yeah. you're talking about the, the Ivy League uh, canceling their conference tournament. Who's to say that the CBI says, you know what, we can't do this. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't even know what's going to happen with the NCAA tournament. Right. I mean, there's a lot of every day this thing is just kind of getting bigger and bigger where, you know, festivals are getting canceled, sporting events are getting canceled around the world, concerts are getting canceled. So who's to say that the CBI is even going to take place at this point? Right. Nuts and bolts when it comes to their resume. I think if the NIT is looking at the Mountain West, they're going to go right down to Boise State because Boise State has a better resume right now. Didn't finish as well as Nevada in the conference, but they have a better resume when it comes to that. And the NIT is out, out, out of conference. The fact that Nevada had their chances against St. Mary's, BYU, Utah, USC, and we're, they weren't able to cash in. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's just what happened. They weren't able to cash in. But, yeah, um, yeah if it is the CBI, that's fine with me. Um, that's what started this culture at Nevada and started mm-hmm. that NCAA run. And, uh, you know, what did we expect going into this year? I mean, you looked at this roster, and everybody was in the transfer portal. Alex Margulies was in the transfer <laughs> portal at one time. Not really. But that's what we're looking at, and we're looking at a very long week until we get these selections <laughs> coming up over the weekend, late Sunday and into Monday. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, speaking of the guys that really rebuilt the culture at Nevada, how about a career night for Caleb Martin with the Charlotte Hornets? We'll have that coming up next. Welcome back into NSN Daily. Caleb and Cody Martin uh, being able to play basically in the, it's not their hometown, but pretty darn close to, to uh, close Mo- Moxville yeah. back, in, uh, back there in Carolina. But uh, what a game last night between the Hawks and the Hornets. Goes over time, uh, double OT, 143-138 is the final in that one. But Caleb Martin with a career night in this one. And if you are a doubter of what these two guys can do in the NBA, I would hope that nights like this, when, when somebody just absolutely takes over a game, 23 points, and uh, he was 5 of 6 from 3 was Caleb. Uh, I, I don't know what else I have to say to you if you don't yeah. understand that these guys can play. Well, and, and are we are any of us sitting here surprised? No, not us. I mean, I, I, a little bit because it's the NBA, but we knew these guys were extremely talented mm-hmm. and had the skill set to be able to do this and compete at a very high level. How are you leaving them out open, though? Look mm-hmm. at that. I, I love the fact that we're seeing them play together now. Yeah. And finally, you're getting that Martin to Martin connection. You're getting, you know, Cody coming down and, and floating it up there and Caleb jamming at home and, and uh, just all these these different things that we saw from these two guys at Nevada. And they're, they're kind of getting back into their roles that they were when they were at Nevada. You've got Cody, who, you know, is scoring 10, 12 points a game. He's, he's already known as being an incredible defensive player. There was an article... Uh, out there in Charlotte about him being able to defend at an extremely high level and just his defensive IQ. And and now you're seeing Caleb, the guy that can score, the guy who can go out and, and put up 20-plus points tonight and, and hit five of six from three. And, and, and these two guys are playing very confident basketball. And so to see them achieve this dream and do it together on the same team, I mean, it's, it's a movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got to be a movie at some point uh, if they can continue their careers the way that it is because – it's been such an amazing story to watch, and, and it's been one of the coolest things to see uh, out, of the, out of Nevada in the last couple of years. And in this game in particular, it wasn't just the scoring. I mean, he also set career highs in assists with four, three steals, two blocks. And the thing that's been surprising to me is he's shooting 55% from three. Wow. And that was kind of the big knock on him coming into the season is the form was just a little bit unusual. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of smoothed it out a little bit. He'll have the leg kick in there every now and again. But if he's going to shoot 40-plus percent from three, uh, he's such a big guard that I think he's going to have a long, long career. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. going to keep it at 55% yeah. for sure. Um, but he went down to the G League, and he didn't 
pouty, went and dominated that league, and you could see he was very aggressive offensively in the G League, and then he comes back to the NBA, and that aggressiveness is still there, that mm -hmm. belief that I can get to the basket, that I can score on whoever is guarding me, uh, that I fit in with these athletes has really shown up. Now he's played 12 of the last 13 games. He's in the rotation, and it kind of reminds me of Ramon Sessions, his first year, spent almost the entire season in the G League, and then comes up for the last six weeks and just absolutely dominated. He had a 20-assist game with the Bucks, um, so he used that time in the G League to kind of get acclimated, to kind of figure out how his game works against better players, and then he makes it to the NBA. And, uh, you know, he has a three-year guaranteed contract, so he's going to get another couple years after this. And it looks like both of these guys have played well enough that they should at least be in the rotation moving forward. Mm -hmm. Are they going to be starters? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if, if Caleb's going to play like that and hit 50% of his threes, he will. Um, but these are guys who should have a niche in the league for a long, long time. This reminds me of Caleb junior year being able to just absolutely turn it on. Mm -hmm. Granted, teams didn't leave him that wide open his junior and senior year, but uh, that's what blew me away about some of that video is how are you leaving this guy even you know, remotely that, that open, but uh, he took advantage of, of the opportunity. But also, hey, Cody's on, on, on the other end of the bench going, hey, I did pretty well last night as well. 11 points, five assists in the overtime win for, for Cody Martin in this one. And uh, like you said, Alex, he has shown that he is making his money showing that I'm not afraid to do everything it takes to get my butt on the floor, and that's diving on the floor, mm -hmm. that's assists, that's um, you know turning guys over. Uh, you want me to guard James Harden? Fine, I'll guard James Harden. He had to guard Harden the other night, and Harden turned the ball over 10 yeah. times. Granted, he's, Harden scored 30 points. Why? Because he's James Harden. But, the, but the, he turned him over 10 times. Amazing. I mean, that's unbelievable. So really, really excited about, about what's, uh, what's going on with these guys. I really wish Jordan would get his, his chance. Jordan Caroline would get his shot and to, to get back. And it, it's interesting to me to look at the guys that we've seen through, come through this group and how many of them have seen so much success so early on, mm -hmm. you know, especially the Twins. Yeah, and it's, I think one thing that helps them is that, you know, at Nevada, they were, they were the stars. They were the focal point. Everything was going through them. All eyes were on them. And now in the NBA, of course, they're rookies. I mean, there are far other guys on that roster that other teams are paying attention to. So it's allowing them you know, to, to kind of go out there and just let it hang out without a ton of pressure of, I have to be the guy that has to shoulder the load. Instead, they can just be role players. And I think these two have no problem doing that. They have absolutely no problem putting their heads down, blue-collar attitude, working hard, and just doing whatever it takes to help their team win. Those are the kind of guys that the Hornets have on their team. And, and uh, like you said, it, it, it should last for a couple of years. But the, the most exciting thing for me is watching them now play together. Mm. Because we saw Cody up there for a while. And then Caleb came up when Cody was hurt. But now the two of them getting out on the court together in the NBA is, is just a dream come true. You hear, you hear it in the announcers, too. And, and if you read some of the, the newspapers back in Charlotte, and they're seeing what we saw, especially that junior year, uh, the first couple of games where Cody's racing down the court and he just tosses it behind himself because he knows Caleb is trailing him. And they go, it's that Martin twin mm -hmm. just knowledge of knowing, that magic of knowing where, where the other one is on the floor. And every single time there's a lob now, and I forgive me, I don't know the play-by-play -play guy for uh, for Charlotte right now, but uh, every single time there's a lob, it's Martinized. I mean, it's just you can tell that they've really bought into this. And, and why wouldn't you? They're two home, homegrown kids. Honestly, I looked up their salaries. They're, they're both raking in about almost a cumulative $4 million this year. Um, you know what? I hope that they've taken care of mom. Mm -hmm. you know, you because, know they have, yeah. you know, the, the iconic picture that, I don't know if you've seen it, of mom and the three boys sitting on the steps of a single wide trailer back in Moxville and what she had to do to get those kids and keep them on track. They all 
graduated from high school mm -hmm. and all you know all went on and didn't get in trouble and that sort of thing. It's it's just you know take care of them. And all. that had been one of the one of the cooler profiles you've ever done, right? right? Yeah. I mean, you were the one who really found that story and it, it took off. I mean, everyone did the story yeah. then on on the twins and how they grew up and mom. But you were the first one to really dig in and, and, and get an understanding of what the family dynamics of what they went through. And I imagine you kind of look back at that one pretty fondly. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Caleb for that because I talked to Cody on Media Day uh, and he didn't really mention any of that stuff. And Media Day ran so long that I didn't get to talk to Caleb. So after one of their preseason games, I sat down with him at Lawler Event Center and he told me the whole backstory. And then I called the mom and uh, Jenny Bennett. You know, she didn't really want to go too much into it because mm -hmm. I feel like she felt like she was being a bad mom by not being able to provide as much as maybe your average kid. Uh, and then Caleb went, went and called me back the next day and said, I know you just talked to my mom and she sugarcoated some things. This is how it exactly happened. Here are some pictures. Yeah. Uh, and he really wanted to tell the story mm -hmm. because it showed that his mom had to go through so much to put him in a position to get to college, to be successful. Um, and he really wanted to shine a spotlight on her. So yeah, I mean, it was picked up by the national outlets. I mean, obviously all of the Sports Illustrated and The Athletic and all of them wrote a story on it, but I think they were on 60 Minutes as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just an incredible story. I mean, she literally would have, uh, you know, a burning cross in her yard because she was a white mom raising two African-American kids. And uh, to be able to see them have this kind of success and know that she put in uh, so many long hours, missed so many meals. Like three, didn't you yeah. say she was working three jobs? Oh yeah, and, and she she would come home and, and you know, there'd be a limited number of food on the, on the plates. And, uh, you know, she would say, I'm hungry, I'm good guy. I mean, I'm full, I'm, I'm good. I had something at work and she hadn't eaten all day um, just so her kids could have a second helping yeah. and that they could be, uh, you know, as, as mature as possible with what they were able to eat. So just, uh, you know, a great parent uh, who, who certainly enjoyed the time that they had at Nevada, but, you know, just playing an, an hour away from hometown mm -hmm. has to be such a fulfilling thing to be able to watch your kids play no in the doubt. NBA. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're great kids. So yeah. you, uh, great men. I mean, they're, they're, they're grown no men, doubt. obviously, yes. great people. Uh, and that's why they've had success is because it takes a certain level of of maturity mm -hmm. to stick in the NBA for a long time. I mean, Luke Babbitt didn't put up the greatest numbers, but that guy was mature. You could trust him. Uh, same with Ramon Sessions, and these two guys have it. So uh, not only are they being productive on the court, but you can trust them 100% off it as well. And that's why they're going to be in the league three, four, five, six, seven years down the road and, and have a long career and make a lot of money. And I'm sure they'll invest wisely and, and they'll have it for the rest of their lives. It's just awesome because, you know, you can do everything right. You can have the talent, but timing is everything. Mm -hmm. And situation is everything. And so, and the fact that they ended up in this situation where they can both play and they can both play together. It's just so special because it's so hard to have all those things line up, staying healthy, getting the right opportunity, being in the right place at the right time. And for them both to get that after what they've all been through, what we've seen them go through, and even just what we saw them go through at Nevada and just the way they blossomed mm -hmm. and the way they just put this program on their back for a couple of years. Uh, it, it's just an awesome thing to see. I can't wait for two things to happen. Because they're twins, and we've gotten to know them so well, you're going to see a picture where they're both standing in matching bass boats because they both love to fish. They love to fish so much, but they're going to open a Bojangles somewhere, and I hope it's here. Open up Bojangles here in Northern Nevada. I mean, I, you, it's their favorite restaurant, and uh, yeah, we've got to check it out when we were back. It's the, what is it? The, uh, the Bowberry biscuit. Bowberry biscuits. The Bowberry biscuits. The Bowberry biscuits. Yep, yep, pretty good stuff. Good stuff. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, he's one of the leaders of the Wolfpack baseball team here in 2020. We're going to have a, an encore presentation of our feature from Wolfpack All Access on Dylan Trum next. Anderson Daly rolling on here on your Tuesday. Wolfpack baseball team certainly not off to the start that it wanted, but picked up a couple of wins against Cal Baptist this last week. And, you know, when you're looking for somebody right now to maybe continue to crack crack the bat and, and inspire his teammates, it's Dylan Trum right now. 
Yeah, I mean, he's gotten off to a pretty good start. He's kind of mm -hmm. the only one, and I think it takes a lot of mental fortitude to be able to continue to hit well when everybody around you is struggling. I mean, this guy has legitimate power, if not for the shoulder injury he had last year. He may have played his way into a draft pick. He could have a pro future ahead. Uh, certainly a really big piece to the Nevada baseball team. All right, here is Shannon Kelly's feature from Wolfpack All Access on Dylan Trump. Pitch. Breaking ball. That's a base hit to left field. Shrum with Nevada's first hit of the day. Started playing, I think I was about three or four. My dad would take me to the park. He had two gloves. He had a right-handed glove and a left-handed glove. And I just picked one and I just stuck with it. And my high school coach, who I'm really close with, he told me, he's like, you're all backwards. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm backwards? He's like, you throw left-handed, but you hit right-handed. Although it was different than most baseball players, that didn't seem to affect Dylan Shrump who's become one of the Wolfpack's most powerful hitters. First time I met Dylan was my junior year of high school. We were playing summer ball. He hit about a 400-foot bomb off our team, and I was like, wow, who is this guy? You put a bat in this guy's hand, and he just hits. It's insane. Swings hits with high and deep down in the right field corner. If it stays fair, it could be gone, and that ball is out of here. Dylan Shrum is first home run of the season. Originally from Southern California, Shrum had family ties to Northern Nevada. One reason why he chose to suit up for the silver and blue. My grandpa actually lived down in Minden. He moved up here about five or six years ago. And then my freshman year, he suddenly passed away. But he really wanted to come see me play baseball in college. And I know he's always watching over me now because he always sends me little messages, I feel like, and it just means the world to me. His grandpa wasn't the only family member in Nevada either. His cousin, Trenton Brooks, played three seasons for the Wolfpack. When Shrum stepped onto the field at Piccoli Park for his first practice in a Wolfpack uniform, little did he know, things would soon change. I tore a bunch of stuff in my knee. So I had knee surgery right away. That sidelined me to the first game of the season. Despite batting over 300 and playing in nearly 40 games his freshman year, the injuries were far from over. And going into my sophomore year, I dislocated my shoulder and I ended up having another shoulder surgery then. And I was cleared the couple days before the season started. And that wasn't the last of Shrum's surgeries. Tearing the same shoulder again, halfway through the 2019 season. It's where it could be 50-50. I could be able to play again. I could not be able to play again. Very lucky to be in the situation that I am, and it's made me very grateful for just everything I have here. Originally majoring in mechanical engineering, Shrum had a change of heart after his second surgery. His doctor, Christopher Dolan, helped influence him to want to be an orthopedic surgeon. Now, I, I trust him with my life, as you've seen in the last three times with him and it's definitely definitely left a mark on me. <laughs> in his final season, Shrum is making every at bat count and hopes to play at the next level. If the opportunity presents itself, I, I definitely wanna, you know, pursue that. When I was younger I've always wanted to be a professional baseball player. That's just been my goal and aspiration and I don't want to look back from five, ten years from now and be like, I wish I would have done this. You know, because it's just a passion I have. I come out here every day, I have a smile on my face to play this game. For Wolfpack All Access, I'm Shannon Kelly. Thank you very much, Shannon. Had a little Margulies goodness sprinkled sprinkle. in there as well. I, I got to give a, a shout out real quick. Brian, was that your drone shot going through uh, uh, the Carson Valley with the deer? Was that you, Brian? 
That was you, Brian Culp, our director and very talented drone pilot with all those drone shots, absolutely gorgeous. But uh, talk about another guy, persistence and persistence. Mm -hmm. Shoulder injuries in baseball yeah, are killers. I mean, it ends so many careers. And to be able to bounce back from that and have the confidence to be mm -hmm. able to throw and, and put that type of strain on it, uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, and that's been something this team this year has been dealing with. There's a lot of injuries, a lot of guys having to have surgery. And, and for Strum, I remember him coming in as a true freshman. I remember the coaches talking about, man, this kid's going to be pretty good. This mm -hmm. kid can hit. And then he went down and, and had the injury, and, and it's kind of followed him throughout his career. So certainly hope that he can just have an injury-free senior year. And as you guys said, he's, he's such an important piece. Because right now in Nevada, their biggest issue is they're having consistency scoring runs. And so they absolutely need him in the middle of that lineup with his power and just, just his presence in the lineup. And then as a whole, I think for this team, it's just stay in the course. Now, okay, get a couple wins under your belt. And, and the deal with, with, as everyone knows, when it comes to Mountain West baseball, all that matters is going, getting into the tournament and winning the tournament. So despite how frustrating the early part of the season has been, as much as you'd like to play better and you want to go into the Mountain West season with more momentum, it doesn't really matter, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not going to impact Nevada one way or another. What they do during their conference season is going to define their season. So now it's just having that mental approach to be able to go through and kind of withstand the, the early struggles and, and hope that you're playing your best baseball, getting into conference, get into that tournament and, and have – uh, a magical week down in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, and it, the schedule continues to ramp up. It doesn't get any easier this week. St. Mary's on mm -hmm. the road, then three at home against Sacramento State. Yeah, and then you got after that Utah and you've got Michigan. But, uh, you know, if Dylan's hitting well, I think that, that lifts the whole team. He actually yeah. didn't have the greatest series against Cal Baptist when Nevada did kind of turn the corner with its offense. So if you throw him having a good series into those other guys kind of catching fire, then you could have something. He is kind of your prototypical baseball player nowadays. Mm -hmm. He's got a ton of power. Mm -hmm. He'll take a lot of walks. He'll strike out a lot. So he's kind of a three true outcomes kind of guy. But if baseball, baseball doesn't work out for him, I mean, he's picking between being an engineer and a surgeon, uh, a pretty smart kid right. as well. Yeah, yeah. so, cool. uh, you know, kudos to what he's doing in the classroom in addition to what he's doing on the field, which is being an all-conference kind of player. Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Piccoli Park, 2 p.m. First pitch on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, both 1 p.m. first pitches. You can get uh, tickets right there at the ballpark box office on campus. And on Sunday, it's Lace Up for Cancer, where kids can go out and run the bases. Unfortunately, we can't do that. <laughs> uh, coming up next here on NSN Daily, coronavirus continues to be a hot topic in sports. Would King James play in front of an empty arena? We'll hear from him coming up next. Uh, I know people may be uh, getting tired of hearing about it, but coronavirus uh, continues to now dominate the headlines. And Chris is really tired of hearing about it, probably. Right coronavirus? Now. Yeah, man, you just lost your Pearl Jam concert. Like that's that's brutal. Bring it up again. I'm sorry. I just you know. Uh, sorry, it's been you, postponed. You brought it up. It's, it's, it's your segment. Why is everybody I'm just telling you, this is just what's in the news. I mean, this big tennis tournament. I don't know if you're a big tennis fan or not, but mm -hmm. the BNP Paribas was. I mean, you're talking 450,000 people from around the world annually go to this tournament. Wow. It's been canceled. Um, I mean, you're talking about the biggest names in the business. Uh, Rafa Nadal, uh, Djokovic, Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka, Kim Kleisters. I mean, some of the biggest names on the planet were supposed to be going to this, but uh, the Riverside County Public Health Department has declared it a public health emergency for the area, so it has been canceled. Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, and Major League Soccer also now saying they released a joint statement saying that they are going to be closing the locker rooms 
banning media access temporarily <laughs> to the locker rooms because no, that's not about is, the is this like oh, is this just a way to is this just a way to get rid of the media? That's just like, to get rid of having to talk to us after a loss. Like they're just they're like, hey, this is a perfect way to get rid of the media. Like, yeah, we'll just like we don't have to out. let them come in the clubhouse. They have to stay six feet away from us. Like that's I, it. That's I feel exactly like that's it. kind of a yeah, like. I don't know. That seems like kind of a BS ploy, no? Media will have access to players and coaches in designated locations outside of locker rooms and clubhouses. Players must remain six feet away from reporters. And uh, get a good shotgun, Mike, I guess. Right. Seriously. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the players will be happy. I'm sure about the it. players are probably pretty happy about it they're because the locker, the locker room to Look, me should happy. be sacred. <laughs> yeah, they're all celebrating right now. The locker room should be sacred. Uh, one reporter in Los Angeles asked the King himself, LeBron James, what he thought should the NBA say. Nope, no fans at all at games. Interesting response. Coronavirus. Have you thought about what that might be like? Who? Or, hmm? Who? Who? What? Who? What? We play games without the fans. Yeah. Like no, you. It's impossible. I ain't playing. <laughs> if I ain't got the fans in the crowd, that's who I play for. I play for my teammates, play for I play for the fans. That's what it's all about. So if I show up to an arena and ain't no fans in there, I ain't playing. So they can do what they want to do. All right. Appreciate it. We appreciate it too. Well, I don't, it's like I, I don't That's understand like, why play if there aren't fans because, I mean, A, like the teams have to make money. Mm-hmm. So you're opening the doors of your arena and you're spending money to operate it without – having fans to make revenue, so why would the ownership want to do it? Oh, for it? the TV deal, though. Yeah. I mean, the TV stations have paid to have these I guess TV, TV would be, TV would benefit because like more for people the playoff are sitting standings, at home. You know, if you're, yeah. like, in the race for an AC. I don't know. I'm almost like, weird. do you just have to, like, cancel the season? Well, like, yeah, I mean, I was looking it up. I, I remember there was a White Sox-Orioles game played in 2015 with no crowd because of civil unrest after the death of Freddie Gray, who died under uh, police custody. And I actually remember watching that game on TV just because I kind of wanted to see what Spooky. it would look like. Yeah, it was weird. It was very, very I mean, weird. I've been to a lot of baseball games with, like, like 14 people. I'll say the, the Marlins like, never have any fans. I did years of that mm-hmm. in minor league baseball. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've been to plenty but of stadiums. Would you, like, not go people. to – like, so I'm, I'm, in theory, going to a Dodgers-Giants game uh-huh. in a couple weeks. Would you not go to a game over fear of no. potentially getting this disease? No. But I, I'm also not – Not at risk. I, I am very much come from the, like, even if I'm brash and maybe, like, on the dumb side, like, I just don't care. Like, if I, I don't live my life in fear of these kind of things, so, yeah, I, would, I continue to live my life. And I'm not kind of worrying about what's going to get me. Um, but other people view it differently. So that's just me personally. Like, I'm not going to stop living my life. Like, if I'm going to travel, I'm going to travel. If I'm going to go to a concert, I'm going to go to a concert. Like, I just, I'm not going to stop because fears of this, I, it doesn't, Maybe I'm being ignorant and like it doesn't scare me that much and it should maybe scare me more But that's that's just how I feel about it. I mean, what about you? I mean, I would go. Yeah, yeah I mean uh, I, I don't, I'm not in the at-risk group though So True. I understand having True. to take precautions mm-hmm. because if this does get into an orderly community a community that has respiratory issues or immune deficiencies Then it could be very very dangerous for them. Mm-hmm. It could mean the end of their lives um, I do have two younger kids, and we had planned on going to Mexico this summer. Now, that is potentially on hold. I don't want my kids to get this, so a little bit more. Uh, yeah, you have more yeah, to think uh, about. More to think about in yeah. that situation where you don't want to expose your kids to this issue. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm not a, a medical expert. I, mm-hmm. I do feel like it is maybe a little bit overblown just because you see, you know, flu deaths are 
way, way higher than what we have here with the coronavirus. Um, but this is a, a different kind of strain where you can mm -hmm. be infecting other people when you don't know that you have it. When mm -hmm. I, I drop my kid off at school every morning and you know they would high five the teacher uh, every morning before they go in and now they're hitting each other with elbows and I'm like that's that's a little bit silly. No but one would <laughs> shake hands at the Mountain West Tournament. Everyone really? was, was all the yeah. media people it was all fist pounds. Yeah. You'd also do I saw this video you can kick. acknowledge people by like kicking <laughs> a little your kid feet. and play a little like kick <laughs> a little foot kick to say hi instead okay. of high fives. I don't know. I just I, that's how I am. I'm not. I, I like. I rarely live my life in fear of really anything. Yeah. Um, but I, my biggest problem is I still can't figure out like what's real and what's not. Like I, I can't under, I can't figure out like is this being overblown or is it being underblown? And I, I still can't really figure that out. But the more stuff is getting canceled, it's super alarming. I mean, and now it's actually impacting people's lives. It's mm -hmm. impacting things you want to go do. It's impacting. You know, you had a conference you're supposed to go to for work. That's been canceled. You, yeah. you had tickets to a music festival. That gets canceled. You had tickets to a concert. Uh, you're supposed to go on a cruise. You're supposed to go on a family vacation. So now it's actually starting to impact people's lives, which really sucks. Yeah. Uh, none worse, of course, than the people that are actually suffering and have the physical ailments. But, you know, up until now, it really didn't have any impact on my life. And now it certainly has started to impact your life. And that's where it's like, okay, where is this going to go? And it seems like it's not going to get better. Like, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Well, yeah, I mean, like. it's, it's a contagious virus. Like, how is how are we going to be able to move on? Do we have to wait until there's medicine for it? Because uh -huh. it's not going to be fewer people getting this disease. Mm -hmm. There's just going to be more, more and more and more. Is that going to mean more and more and more cancellations? Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be, it sounds like, a while before they have any kind of vaccine or medical, uh, you know, fix for this. So I just don't know where it goes over the next seven, eight, nine months. Nuts. Yeah. yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's kind unprecedented. Of, yeah, yeah, that's all. It's kind of a different. Thing. Like, has any has there been anything like this in any of our lifetimes that I, would, I, would I compare? I think if you went back to H one N one, the swine flu. If you went back and looked at the numbers, but like they I, weren't there canceling was, events. There wasn't a scare like this. No. But that may go into social media and the way that you know it's being presented mm -hmm. to the American people. And I think when you go back to the origin of this back in the Wuhan province and people eating bats. And I think that's a little more, for an American, I think that's a little more scary of, oh, that's where that came from. And, oh, they built a hospital overnight to, to try and uh, you know, attack this. But uh, watch you have, like Italy, which is like completely Literally, Italy is shut down. down. Right? Italy is literally shut down. That's crazy. Yeah. And I saw Israel, you can't even get into Israel. If you're from anywhere, yeah. any country or a naturalized citizen there, if you come to Israel, you have to spend 14 days in quarantine. No questions asked. Yeah. Every single person that goes to Israel has to be in quarantine. Washington County so School District Israel. actually shutting down um, travel right now. So you got local baseball teams, yeah, softball losing teams, a ton of money. losing a ton of money because yeah. they wanted to go out of state on spring break trips um, on that. And then you've got you know the Ivy League canceling their basketball tournaments. So Yale and Princeton, men's and women's, automatically go to the tournaments if there is going to be a tournament. I mean, I don't want to go that far just yet. But then Harvard, Harvard saying to their students, don't come back after spring break because we're not going to have you in the dorms. One university official calling the dorms dirtier than a cruise ship, hmm. which if you saw my dorm, yeah, you would know that back, <laughs> in, back in the day. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, is Christian Yelich worth being paid until 2042? Whoa. That's what's going to happen. We'll have that next. Yikes. All right, this baseball deal is like Kevin Mitchell, Mets written all over it. Christian Yelich's nine-year deal worth $215 million. If that, doesn't, if that doesn't boggle your mind in the first place, he's going to be paid by the Milwaukee Brewers 
guys, until 2042. <laughs> 2042, he'll be, it'll, it'll be a payment of $2.3 million. Wait, how many years is this contract? In 2042. <laughs> it's a nine-year contract worth $215 million. Wait, how is it 2042? Because it's deferred money. Oh, my gosh. Deferred money. That's crazy. I want to get so deferred So it's a nine-year deal, but they're deferring it over the course of 20-plus years? $4 million each year deferred from his $26 million annual salary from 2022 to 28. Whoa. $20 million mutual option for 2029, $6.5 million buyout. The numbers are astronomical here. I mean, I, mean, I guess it's creative. I, you know what? Kudos to Christian Yelich because, I mean, 2042, you're hoping you're still kicking. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're still talking 22 years from now. Crazy. But uh, that's a, that'll be a nice little post-retirement party present for Christian Yelich. Well, I guess it's better than them having to pay it all Lump it up right front. Now. Right. Yeah, Maybe yeah. it gives them more financial flexibility to pay more guys and stay more competitive. So it's creative. Uh, you know, I think the, the general consensus most of the times these contracts don't benefit the team in the end, but good for them for being able to keep him in Milwaukee because mm -hmm. he's such a dynamic player. Right. And, and if this is the way they had to keep him and, and give themselves a chance to compete and do all those things, and uh, I, I think the fans will love it. It's kind of like the Bobby Bonilla contract, right? He's getting paid through 2035 still. Yeah, I said Kevin Mitchell was probably the Mets Bonilla, for a while. But actually, uh, you know, a number of teams do this. The Nationals do this. Like uh, Scherzer and Strasburg's deal were like this. When they tried to give Bryce Harper $300 million, it was going to be deferred mm -hmm. out 20, 25 years. It's actually kind of smart from the team's perspective because yeah. $2 million now versus $2 million 10 years from right. now. Uh, $2 million now is, is way more Impactful. expensive because yeah. of inflation. Right. Yeah. So if you're giving somebody $2 million in 2042 or whatever that was, that's probably like about $1.3 million in current money. So mm -hmm. it might hamstring them in the future. Yeah. Um, but it's a smaller market team. I mean, yeah. Milwaukee is one of the smallest cities in Major League Baseball. And if they can keep one of the top five players in the game on their team when they have a pretty competitive roster right now, mm -hmm. I think that's their thought moving forward. All right, coming up next here on NS and Daily, our final thoughts will be a happy birthday to an American action film icon. That's next. Final 90 seconds. Happy 80th birthday to Chuck Norris. 80. 80 years young. That guy does not look 80. No, he doesn't. Wow. I mean, it's just, well, well, that's that little whatever exercise that he sells. Uh, <laughs> so, some of our favorite Chuck Norris jokes. When Chuck Norris enters a room, he doesn't turn the lights off. He, or he turn, doesn't turn the lights on. Start over because I really <laughs> screwed that up. 127. Final 90 seconds here on NSN Daily. Happy 80th birthday to Chuck Norris. Doesn't look 80, 80 does he? 80. 80 years old. Dang. <laughs> What's he taking? I don't know, but I, I dug up I some, some of that. Dug up some of these uh, Chuck Norris jokes. When Chuck Norris enters a room, he doesn't turn the lights on. He turns the dark off. There's got to be a good, like, Chuck Norris coronavirus joke. Oh, yeah. Well, how about this? The flu has to get Chuck Norris shots there once a go. year. <laughs> uh, Chuck Norris has a grizzly bear rug in his bedroom. It's not dead. It's just afraid to move. <laughs> uh, Chuck Norris can hear sign language and speak Braille. And Chuck Norris can also kill two stones with one bird. Yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite one, Chuck Norris was once bitten by a cobra, and after five days of agonizing pain, the cobra died. What a legend. Absolute <laughs> legend, Chuck Norris. Do you have a favorite Chuck Norris movie or anything like that? No. 
No. He's, he's great. I mean, mm -hmm. he's just, he's a legend. He's an icon. 80 years old. That blows me away. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Walker, Texas Ranger, one of the greatest shows in TV history. Yep. So uh, let's honor the man. Honor the man. <laughs> I remember the old Bruce Lee films with him and, and all the way up through now, the Expendables and him coming back and doing the Expendables. And there's an urban legend that he only would do the Expendables if it was a PG-13 rating. He didn't want the cussing in the movie. But, and, he did, and he did his own Chuck Norris joke in that movie. <laughs> Thanks for being with us here on NSN Daily. For Brian in the booth, for Alex and Chris, I'm Brian. We'll see you tomorrow.